Let me, uh, just while everybody's getting seated, if you'll listen to me, there's a word that we read several times in the scriptures, Brother Anthony read in Jeremiah 3, verse 19. It talks about uh, our heritage. We read in uh, Psalm 16, verse 5, the Lord is the portion of mine inheritance. Then in verse number 6, this is the key to what I wanted to say today. The lines are fallen unto me in a pleasant, in pleasant places. Now watch this. Yea, I have a goodly heritage. A goodly heritage. We have all seen families, businesses, churches, etc. succeed. Then the next generation comes and it begins to fail. Very few things go generation after generation after generation. Look at how many wealthy families have children grow up and destroy the wealth. Spend it all up. Look how uh, some second and third generation Christians grow up in church and go out and never darken the door after they've left home. Ruin their lives. I've been given a goodly heritage. I don't mean this in an arrogant way, but I've lived the life you wish your kids could live. I have. That's not to put something on me. It's just I have a goodly heritage. Most all of my family members, as far as I know, on my side and on my wife's side are saved. Between my dad and my uncle and my aunt, there's almost 180 years of marriage between those three marriages alone. My wife and I are the babies in the family with 34 years of marriage. I have a goodly heritage. I mean that. Uh, Most all of my family members have a good reputation. Most. Uh, (laughs) Most have been very successful in their fields of, of work. I have a goodly heritage. But I want you to listen to me very closely. We're going to transition into the truth that I want you to get today. Heritage brings responsibility. Heritage brings responsibility. The problem is this. Man's sinful pride, and we as sinners, want honor for our heritage not responsibility. We gain a good heritage and think because we have a good heritage that we're owed something. God says if you have a goodly heritage, you owe more, not less. I have a responsibility because of the heritage that I have been given, that I owe more than those of my family who have gone before me. Not less. I'm not to be lifted up because of what my past is. I'm to be lifting others up because of what my past is. 
You see, in our sinful pride, we reach a certain level of success or a certain level of heritage and we say, well, because of who I am, you owe me. You, just, you, you need to honor me. Oh, no, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. Because man wants honor, man allows heritage to set up, and listen to this, traditions. And they'd rather have their traditions than truth. Well, I hate to tell you something. I love my family and I love my, my heritage. But the word of God never changes. I'm accountable to God to preach that book and that book alone. It doesn't matter who it hair lips. And they're sitting here. It doesn't mean I have a bad attitude, but it doesn't change. Did you know God doesn't care what your last name is? <laughs> we need to realize that our heritage adds to our responsibility. It does not take away from our responsibility. Young people sitting in the room today, listen to me. If you're sitting under the sound of my voice, you've been given a good heritage. You are not to expect somebody to serve you because of your heritage. You're expected to serve more because of your heritage. Uh, heritage does not give me or anyone else a right because of my past. Did you hear that? It gives me a responsibility to earn the same heritage in my generation. I'm going to touch on something sensitive here, but hang on. I'm not to live life expecting anything just because of my heritage. I'm against reparations to so-called slave descendants. A black person does not mean you are a slave de descendant. Did you know that during the time of the 1800s, not all black people were slaves? Did you know some black people owned slaves? And just because of the color of your skin, whether it be black, green, purple, chartreuse, or uh, whatever color it is, God doesn't care. And just because of what your color is doesn't mean you are owed something. You're to earn it in your generation. Well, that's my heritage. Then heritage brings responsibility. You see, living life expecting respect or whatever you want in life because of your heritage will destroy you. Uh, I love the people who served our country and our military. Amen. You know I respect you. You know I have the utmost respect for you. You know that I believe we do owe you our respect and our freedom. I have no problem saying that. But I do have a problem because I've, I've worked with millions of people and I've met some who think just because they're a veteran that they're owed something. I have a problem with that. I'm thankful you served. Yes. But you shouldn't live in such a way to where you think everybody owes you. Just because of the color of your skin, nobody owes you anything, whether you be white, black, brown. What other colors are there? Uh, red and yellow, black and white. Uh, I don't know. Uh, 
<laughs> Folks, I'm colorblind. It don't matter. <laughs> I had a black deacon down in South Carolina. He said, Brother Bush, he said, black folk aren't colored. I said, what do you mean? He said, white folks are colored. Black folks are black. I said, okay, Brother Benny, what do you mean? He said, you white folks are the colored folks. You get cold, you turn blue. You get sick, you turn green. You get hot, you turn red, and you want to call me colored? Well, got a good point there, Brother Benny. The color of our skin, we can do nothing about. Why do we want to judge somebody based on the color of our skin? <laughs> well, uh, I have achieved a certain level of wealth. Good, you've achieved a level of responsibility. By the way, your level of responsibility doesn't mean you give to everybody that's too lazy to do nothing. Amen. I'm against welfare. It's neither well nor fair. Amen. believe you ought to earn it. It's, uh, Mrs. Barnes and I were joking just the other day. I said, well, we've got about another six weeks, and then the phone calls start. And she started laughing. You say, phone calls? Yeah, about middle of October, end of October, the phone calls start. Are you giving money and things out for Thanksgiving and Christmas? Can we sign up and get things? I mean, by the droves. Hang on. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're owed anything either. I'm here today to say this. Don't let your heritage destroy you. God does not want your heritage to destroy you. You younger folks that are in the room today, if you're growing up in church, don't let growing up in church destroy you. Well, I, I grew up in church. I know all the stuff. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people that grew up in church and they're backslidden as a jaybird. Yep. I find through the pages of that old black book right there. Example after example after example after example of people and people groups who allowed their heritage to destroy them. I want to talk to you about that today. First of all, by the way, none of us are above it. We're all sinners. No nail prints there, folks. No nail prints. Do you know what a, what, what a church and a preacher is? It's one sinner talking to other sinners trying to help us be less sinful. But I'm still a sinner just like you are. Amen. Shut up. <laughs> we are proud and arrogant and sinful. And we often allow our heritage to destroy us. We allow it to destroy relationships. Let me help you today. Number one, I want to give you several Bible illustrations of people who allowed their heritage to destroy them. Listen to this very carefully. I'm going to, some of you, this is going to be the first time you've heard this, and it's going to rake you the wrong way, but it's as scriptural as it gets. The Hebrews allowed God's choosing them to be his chosen people to destroy them. Now, listen to this carefully. This is the part that's going to prick a few of you. There is a difference between the Hebrews and the Jews. Hebrew is a race of people. Jew is a religion. God never promised to bless the Jews. He promised to bless 
the Hebrew nation. Everybody got that? It was the Jewish religion that put Jesus on the cross. God never promised to bless Judaism. He promised to bless the nation of Israel, the Hebrew nation, not the Jewish religion. Everybody doing okay? That's what, by the way, the Jewish religion was, and honestly still is, nothing but a giant click. Acts chapter 11. Acts chapter 11, after Calvary, after the starting of the church. By the way, that's why Jesus started the church, not the synagogue. Amen. That's why Jesus rent the veil in the temple and made all everything got all wonky. Everybody doing okay? Now look at Acts chapter 11, verse 1. And the apostles and brethren that were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter was come up to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision, Jews, contended with him, saying, Thou wentest to men uncircumcised, and didst eat with them. But Peter rehearsed the matter from beginning and expounded it by ordering to them, saying, and he talks about how that non-Jewish people were getting saved, being filled with the Spirit of God and seeing revival take place. They said, can't be because they're not Jewish. That's what the term circumcision meant. Everybody doing okay? They allowed their religion, they allowed their heritage to rob them of the truth that Jesus said, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He didn't say just go to the Jews. He said go into all the world and preach the gospel. Matter of fact, the last words he said in Acts chapter 1 verse number 8. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. Did you realize he said, leave here, go out, and get the gospel all the way around the world? Acts chapter 1, Acts chapter 2, at Pentecost. Acts chapter 3, chapter 4, chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 7. All they did was stay in Jerusalem, preaching in Jerusalem. Acts chapter 8, God said, I'm tired of it. I told you to go everywhere. And Acts chapter 8, verse number 1 says, And Saul was sent to send persecution to the church. Why? Because then they scattered to Samaria, Judea, and to the uttermost part of the earth. God had to bring persecution to the church before they would obey. They were willing to only preach to the Hebrew people, to the Jews. Then by Acts chapter 11... People in Turkey and that part of the country are getting saved. Peter goes there, finds out that they're having a revival just like what they saw at Pentecost and brings word back. They said it can't be because they're not of the circumcision. They're not part of our crowd. Grace Baptist Church, I'll shut the doors down before we start having clicks. If you're too good for somebody, do us a favor, leave. This is a hospital, not a museum. This isn't a country club. It's a church. Amen. I got to hurry. You got me mad and I hadn't even started yet. 
So the, the Hebrew people, the Jewish religion, allowed the fact that they were God's chosen people, their heritage began to destroy them. Solomon and Rehoboam. David and Solomon and Rehoboam and the kingdom was divided by Rehoboam. Solomon was the wisest man in the world, ever was, ever will be. Now, I'm going to ask God when I get to heaven. A man that has 700 wives and 300 concubines can't be that smart. Uncle Gary, do you know what the curse of polygamy is? Multiple mother-in-laws. <laughs> A man that's got 700 mother-in-laws got something wrong up here. Let me tell you. That man couldn't find the toilet if he had to with all them pantyhose hanging everywhere. Help us, Jesus. We went from David and Solomon to the foolishness of Rehoboam. He allowed his heritage to destroy him. Haman in the book of Ruth. Haman was vehemently against the children of Israel. Wanted to destroy them. Built a gallows to hang uh, someone by. And God superseded with a little maid named Esther. Did I say Ruth before? I'm sorry. Esther. And Esther was used of God to change the heart of the king. And Haman ended up hanging on his own gallows. And they destroyed him. They hung him. They put his family in the house. They burned it. And then they made his house, God said this, a dunghill. It became the dumping place for all the animal waste. That's what God thought of it. Uh, he let his heritage destroy him. David with Bathsheba. David should have been at war. Chose to be at home. Stole another man's wife, had a relationship with her. She becomes pregnant. And David says, uh-oh, i got to cover my tracks. Let's bring her husband back from war, and I'll have him be with her, and uh, nobody will know. And he was an honorable man, wouldn't even go inside the doors of his house to be with his wife. Slept on the porch. She was mad at him. No, uh, but uh, David said, oh, now what do I do? So he sends, he writes orders out, has, has uh, Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, takes his own death wish, not knowing it, to the front lines. Gives it to the commanding officer, and it said that when you get to the hottest part of the battle, everybody just step back and let Uriah be killed. What a shame. He let his heritage destroy him. I'm king. I can take what I want. Saul trying to kill David. Saul wanted Jonathan to be on the throne, but Saul's disobedience caused Saul to lose the kingly rights to the throne of the Messiah. But Saul wasn't satisfied and for 23 years hunted David like an animal. Threw javelins at him, had armies chasing him, etc., 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 I could go on and on. May I give you an illustration? I was working for Brother Hiles, and we were coming back from O'Hare Field one day. 
And he said, Brother Craig, do we have a good college now? I said, I don't know. I said, I'm not sure what you're asking me. He said, good answer. He said, you've been out of college at that time over 10 or about 10 years. He said, I know we had a good college 10 years ago because you're here. He said, it's going to take 10 or 15 years before we know if we have a good college now. It takes a generation of your graduates to go out to find out if what you're doing then is working. He never judged based on what was happening then. In other words, we had a goodly heritage. Are we using it? Or are we letting our heritage destroy us? So, and I just gave you about five or six illustrations in Scripture of people who allowed their heritage to destroy them. Let me give you point number two. Heritage is earned, not expected. There's a pizza. Thank you, Brother Aaron. (laughs) Phone check! Anyway... Heritage is earned, not expected. Uh, Take your Bible, turn to Psalm 135. Psalm 135. You are not just given a heritage and it carries from generation to generation. Heritage is something that is earned. Psalm 135, look at verse number 12. And gave their land for an heritage... And heritage unto Israel, his people. The name of the Lord endureth forever in thy memorial, O Lord, throughout all generations. You know, there's a land over on the eastern side of the Mediterranean Sea called Israel that has been given to the Hebrew people, but it's still not fully what it's going to be under the leadership of Jesus during the millennium. Here's the statement. Look at Psalm 136, verse 21. Just the next psalm over. And gave their land for an heritage, for his mercy endureth forever. Even an heritage unto Israel, his servant, for his mercy endureth forever. What is that land that was given as a heritage? A place called Canaan. Now listen to this statement. Did you know God gave it to them as a heritage, but they had to go take it? Moses was leading the Hebrews out of the bondage of Egypt. They sent spies to the land. They disobeyed God instead of going in. They wandered for 40 years. Everyone from the age of 20 and up were killed or died in the wilderness. And finally, after 40 years, they get to the entrance of the promised land that God gave them. And they go in, they take uh, Jericho, and the, the words begin to say, they said, look, we, were, we knew 40 years ago y'all were coming. We've been waiting for this day for 40 years. We were afraid of you 40 years ago. If they'd have just gone in, but they were too afraid and allowed their heritage to destroy them. You see, 
they had to drive out the enemy. God did not say that you would not face opposition. I get sick up to here with this mamby pamby sissy britches Christianity. Oh, just trust Jesus and all your problems go away. That's a bunch of vomit. How'd it work for Jesus? They crucified him. I'm not told one time in that book that God will ever take all my problems away, Brother James. Not once. But he said, I'll go through those problems with you. The greatest people in this book that you love and you like to study are the ones that went through the greatest problems. What makes us think we don't deserve problems? We're sinners. Well, God's not fair. I don't understand why God did that. God didn't. You did. You're a sinner. And other people are sinners. And it happens. Do you know what sinners do? They sin. I know that's a high education thing there. God did not just go in and obliterate the enemy and say, okay, y'all, take it. No, he did not. He said, you're going to fight your way in, but I'll give you victory if you keep going. I may not be very smart, no comments. I may not be as strong as I once was, but I promise you this, this old Baptist preacher's got one more get up than the devil's got knocked down. I've been at this long enough to know, once you get hit, get back up. Get knocked down, get back up. Get punched in the nose, wipe your face, get up, and go at it again. You see, God does not bless you because of your family having a good past. God blesses you based on your obedience to the Word of God. Just because you have a good past doesn't mean... You're expecting God to bless you. No wonder second and third generation Christians get foul. Well, you blessed my mom. You blessed my grandparents. How come you're not blessing me? Are you blessable? September 11th coming up. I remember when it took place. I was preaching in a camp in uh, Washington State just outside of Seattle-Tacoma area. Signs everywhere. God bless America. All these years later, we need signs that say, America, it's time to bless God. How could we ask God to bless America with this sodomite, alphabet soup, woke nastiness that we have? Bunch of people don't even know what bathroom to use. Folks, two bulls don't make a cow. Amen. Two roosters don't have eggs. It doesn't take a whole lot of sense to understand that. By the way, your heritage is based on your doing, not the doing of someone else. Listen to this next statement, and some of you ought to shout on this one. Not only does God not guarantee to bless you because of someone else's past... God also does not hold someone else's past against you. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Ezekiel 18.20, Deuteronomy 24.16, both say that God will not judge those based on the sins of their fathers 
for the generations before. God knows I'm glad I'm not going to suffer for my dad's wrongdoings. <laughs> Got him for you, brother, Uncle Gary. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Uh, there are no generational curses. <laughs> uh, don't get mad at me. I'm about to go from preaching to meddling real quick. You're not an alcoholic because your parents were alcoholics. Amen. You're an alcoholic because you drank alcohol. Amen. Well, I had it as a child, yeah, but as an adult, what are you doing about it? Amen. You're not a drug addict because your, your, your parents did drugs. You're a drug addict because you do drugs. You see, we get this idea. Did I just step on your foot? Get it out of my way. <laughs> got used to nobody sitting there. Now I got to get used to somebody sitting there. I'll tell you something. We get this idea that uh, we're owed something. And, uh, well, you feel sorry for me. My mom and dad were poor. So? <laughs> You're not destined to be poor because your parents or your grandparents were poor. I like what Henry Ford used to say. Uh, every American has the right to be poor if they want and not work. But he also said, don't expect me to pay your bills for you. Amen. And I agree with that. Amen. There are no generational curses. It is a, there are learned behaviors. But you can also unlearn bad behavior and learn good behavior. <laughs> By the way. If God is not going to transfer a curse down, neither is he going to transfer a blessing down. Amen. My grandson is six and a half months old. About two weeks ago, we were with them and went to Delaware, yes, for the wedding. I had a few moments alone with my grandson. And I looked at him and I said, buddy... You and your papa aren't going to get to spend an awful lot of time together, probably. But I'm going to do everything I can for God to give you a country that you can grow up in. I'll give you all I got. And every moment we're together, I'll give you all I got. Can I tell you something? It's not going to be something that's just handed to him, though. He'll have to earn it in his generation. You see, uh, I don't, God doesn't care what your last name is. Amen. <laughs> when we went to Indiana, I had been my son's, my oldest son's principal. He was just a little shaver, probably second grade or so. Well, the first week of school, he was in the principal's office. <laughs> Took after his grandfather. <laughs> no, he took after his father. He's sitting in the principal's office, and he's sitting in the chair across the desk. He's just with his feet. He said, in the principal, and I knew the principal, and uh, Doc looked at him and said, Joshua, do you know where you're at? He said, yes, sir. He said, where are you? He said, I'm in the principal's office. 
He said, but that's okay. My daddy was my principal, and I've been in the principal's office lots of times. <laughs> I chuckled, and I said, Doc, what'd you tell him? He said, I stood up, I leaned over the desk, I got down in his little face and said, but son, I'm not your daddy. I said, and what was his response? He said, he quit kicking his feet, he put his hands in his lap and said, oh. <laughs> I said, did you do business? He said, we had a board of education meeting, applied to the seat of knowledge. I said, good. Now, wait a minute, if we're not careful, that's how we get as Christians. We let our heritage destroy us. Number three, this may be one of the most important principles you'll ever hear in your whole life. You stay successful the way you got successful. Amen. You stay successful the way you got successful. Amen. It's true in business. Those of you men in here and ladies that have businesses, as you succeed, the tendency is, well, I'm going to get here and I'm going to coast. You never coast. It's never stagnant. You're either growing or you're declining. And you stay successful the way you became successful. It's true in a marriage. Now I'm going to meddle. I wonder how many married couples in here haven't been on a date since Noah got off the ark. You, yeah, McDonald's doesn't count. That reminds me. I heard this old. I heard this old fella. He's in. He was eighty. Eight, in his late eighties. He said, "I pulled up to McDonald's, and this gal behind me was honking her horn, mad at me because it took me too long to order." He said, "I went to the first window, and I said, look, 'Look, I'm going to pay for mine. I'm going to pay for that person's behind me.'" He got to the second window and. He looked back and that lady's going, ah, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. He said, I handed both tickets to the person inside the window and said, I want both of these orders. <laughs> he said, she had to drive all the way back around and redo the whole thing. He said, don't mess with us old people. Now, I like that. <laughs> I thought that was funny. <laughs> That's pretty good, wasn't it, Bob? Wait a minute. Do you know you, you stay successful in marriage by how you got one another? You stay successful with, you, you, you know, it's amazing. You were kind and sweet till you got married. Now, then what happened? You did things together before you got married. Now you want it done for you instead of you helping. Okay, now it's getting, getting rough in here, isn't it? You stay successful the way you got successful. I've been married for 34 years, but I still like holding hands with my wife. I still like kissing my wife. Ain't none of your business. What, why, when, from there, where we're going. But when I'm at home, I hold hands with my wife. When I'm out in public, I hold hands with my wife. I don't think about it. Is You say why? You stay successful the way you got successful. Everybody doing Okay. Hang on. You don't get to where you want to, where you coast and keep on going. Can I tell you what happens? The average man reaches the age of 45 or 50 and quits trying to succeed and tries to coast the rest of his career to the end. 
I was 45 years old, and God wanted me to start Grace Baptist Church. I had no less than a dozen preachers call me and say, you're, you're stupid. Don't do it. You're too old to start a church. I said, you might be too old to start a church, but God told me it's time to start a church. Well, guess what? I'm not going to coast in my success. I plan on giving it all I got. I don't plan on retiring. I plan on retreading. Say, why? Because you stay successful the way you got successful. You never win enough people to the Lord in your lifetime. Do you know there's always lost people to talk to? Every once in a while I'll meet some backslidden preacher. Oh, soul winning doesn't work anymore. You can't do that. I'm thinking, no. What it means is you're too lazy to go out there and do it. Did you know you can't reach enough people for the cause of Christ? Until every person in Jefferson County and Berkeley County are going to our church or a church where it's preaching the gospel, then we're not done. Everybody doing okay? A church is going to stay successful the way they got successful. When churches start getting cute, start trying to copy the world for success, it doesn't work. When we start bringing the world into the church, we've just compromised the word of God. God said, be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. Amen. We're not to be like the world. We're to be like God and make the world more like God, not God's people more like the world. Man, I'm running ready to preach. Just because someone before you was successful doesn't mean you're going to be. Aunt Kay, you and Uncle Raymond were married 60 how many years? 64. My mom and dad were married just shy of 59 years. Uncle Gary, 57, 58? 58 years. Just because I got married 34 years ago doesn't guarantee that's going to happen to me. My grandma and grandpa Bush were married 70 how many years? 72 years. But that's not going to happen in my life just because my heritage. It's going to come because I earn it in my generation. Everybody doing okay? Each generation needs to earn its own way. Your heritage means you have more responsibility, not less. That's not fair, preacher. I go to work and they expect more of me because I'm a Christian. That's the way it's supposed to be. Amen. Step up, quit complaining, and quit crying. Amen. You'll stand before God for yourself, not for what your parents and grandparents and great-grandparents did. <laughs> did you know nobody else can be spiritual for you? Parents, you can't be spiritual for your children. You can be spiritual, but that doesn't guarantee your children will be spiritual. They have to be spiritual on their own. Number four, and I'll quickly finish. Heritage means you serve, and you're not the one being served. Heritage, a goodly heritage, means you are the one who serves, not the one who is being served. 
Brother Hiles said, when we think of greatness, we look at the head of the table. When God thinks of greatness, he looks at those serving the table. He does not know what I'm about to do. Come here. You met at prayer breakfast yesterday. Wonder how many of you, your empty plate got picked up and thrown in the trash by that guy right there. Raise your hand. Yeah, look around. Can I tell you why? And I never asked him to. But that's a sign of greatness. That's a sign of leadership. Thank you. You see, when you're willing to get up and take somebody's trash to the trash can, I hate walking with him because he tries. He runs ahead of me, open the door for me. <laughs> I'm not used to that. I'm the one opening the doors. I love that greatness, goodly heritage. He's earning it in his generation. You see, maybe we ought to, in our families, fellas, quit trying to play King Tut with our bellies hanging out, sitting on the couch with a can of pop and some potato chips, ordering everybody around, get up off the couch and start doing something. <laughs> yeah. Instead of complaining about the... the mess on the floor that you just made with all those potato chips, get up and clean it yourself. Ouch. If it bothers you that bad, then do it yourself. By the way, I went home yesterday. My wife's been working full time in the school. I helped clean the house yesterday. Didn't bother me a bit, and she never asked me to. She walked through the door. She said, you got home just a few minutes before. I, she said, you haven't been home but 10 minutes. I said, I know. She said, but you got a lot done. I said, I know. I planned on it. You see, <laughs> I'm not afraid of it. Those hands can clean toilets just as much as anybody else's hands can. Be doing all right? Maybe you're too interested in playing King Tut instead of being what God wants. You'd rather make your kids do it than you go out and do it with them. Okay, that one hurt. <laughs> the higher up you go, the more, not the less, serving you should do. A real leader rises high enough to order himself, not others, what he needs. Amen. You know, a real leader doesn't order people around. He orders himself around. Yeah, Philippians chapter 2, you need not turn there. I'll, I'll read it out of the King James Bible, I promise you. Philippians chapter 2, verse number 7, speaking of Jesus, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men and being found in fashion, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. If our Savior could humble himself to be a servant, how much more should we? Too many want to be worshipped like Jesus, but they don't want to pay the price to be the servant that he was. By the way, he didn't want to be worshipped. 
you read John 17 later, he's talking to his father and he said, all I did was for you. I did it so that you could have what you wanted. God, I loved you so much, I left it all so that you could have back what you wanted. Huh. First Peter chapter 5, verse number 3, let me read it to you. You need not turn there, the hour's late. First Peter chapter 5. Verse number three. Hang on, it's in here. There it is. I'm in Second Peter. There we go. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. The leader is to be the example of serving, not the example of receiving. I've instructed our board. I've instructed my staff. I don't want you doing birthday gifts as a church and Christmas gifts and all that kind of stuff. I'm the one serving, not the one being served. I know pastors that if they don't get a big enough gift at Christmas, they're mad at their church for the next year. I had one of them one time get upset and I said, well, why don't you resign and get an honest job then? I said, are you in it for the gifts or are you in it to serve God? They didn't like that. I don't care. God didn't like that either. I, honestly, I, I'm uncomfortable receiving. My job is to serve, to be the example of giving, not the example of getting. Say, so, preacher, what can we do for your birthday or Christmas or your anniversary? Go out and reach people and bring them to church and get people get the gospel out. That's all I want. I don't want your things. I get a paycheck. I won't take money for a funeral. Stand up or lay down. That's wedding or funeral, by the way. Uh, I, I, I refuse it. I, I, I will not take uh, money for a funeral. You say, why? I get a salary. That's part of my job. If you want to give extra money to church, do it, but I'm not taking it. Now, I know preachers that make a pretty good job and pretty good living doing funerals and stuff. Not me. I'm here to serve. Not take your money. Just because you're saved doesn't mean that people are going to flock to you and ask you how they have to get saved. I've been preaching for 43 years. I've been in the ministry full-time for 35 years. I've never had one person walk up to me on the side of the street and say, what must I do to be born again? <laughs> Did you ever notice the people that preach that? They take an offering in church. They don't say, watch this, y'all. Now you do the same. Well, no, they'll pull the offering plate till they get what they want. Did you know going out and giving the gospel to people keeps you humble? It does. You've got to humble yourself. Don't let your heritage destroy you. Let's not let our heritage of being a Christian destroy us to the point where we let all of our freedoms be taken away without a fight. Too long in America we said religion and politics shouldn't be talked about. Now we have a godless communistic government. Everybody doing all right? I'm not afraid of it. You know, salvation gives you an eternal heritage. But it also brings a responsibility to get the gospel to our fellow man. Let me ask you a question. Are you going to let your heritage destroy you? Every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm done.
Let's not allow our heritage to destroy us. I've been given a lot. I've been given a godly heritage. Godly examples. Longevity and success. Success. 